I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, perfect. Now I hear you very well. Cesar, you hear well. Okay. I, I can hear both of you very well. <clears throat> Excellent. Excellent. Great. Kyoko Lerner and I met over 15 years ago. I was touring in the United States with my band, Gotan Project. And because I knew she enjoyed our music, I invited her to see our concert in Chicago. Kyoko is a professional pianist. She was born in Japan and moved to the United States in her 20s to pursue a professional career in music. She settled in Chicago, where she married designer and photographer Nathan Lerner. This is pretty much all I knew about her at the time. But then, there was a very strange coincidence. The day before our meeting, I was in New York, where I visited the Folk Art Museum. There, I discovered and completely fell in love with the works of Henry Dogger. To my surprise, I realized the labels placed under his paintings mentioned Kyoko's name. It was in a courtesy of Kyoko Lerner. <laughs> so, and I said, it's incredible because I'm going to meet Kyoko Lerner tomorrow. So I was like super excited and interested also to talk because we talk about tango, I remember, but after we, we, we talked very quickly about... Kyoko told me that she and Nathan were Henry Dogger's landlord for 15 years until he died in 1973. They were the ones who discovered his art. My name is Philippe Cohen-Solal. I'm a musician, and you're listening to the very first episode of Outsider, the amazing story of Henry Dogger. Outsider is a seven-part series of conversation about the Chicagoan artist Henry Dogger, who was the main inspiration for my new album. The Outsider album was created with my good friend, musician and producer, Mike Lindsay, featuring Adam Glover and Hannah Peel. It is out and available on all streaming platforms. That day, in Chicago, Kyoko Lerner told me everything she knew about Henry Dogger. When her late husband bought the building at 851 West Webster Avenue in 1956, Dagger already lived there. He had been renting a small room on the top floor since the 30s. At the age of 65, he still worked an exhausting job as a pot washer in a neighboring hospital. He came across as a strange character. His neighbors often spotted him talking to himself on the streets or going through the trash. But the learners took an immediate liking to him. He never carried so-called dialogue or conversation with anybody, including us, except 
we we see him, you know, walking on streets, and we were taking walks. To Nathan would say, "Hello, Henry, how are you?" He would look up in the sky and said, "It's going to rain tomorrow. It's going to uh, be a storm." He was always answering us with weather reports, but he never answered to the question we were asking. In this newly gentrified neighborhood, Henry Duggar stood out. Twenty years earlier, there were thousands like him renting rooms in boarding houses and working menial jobs for the longest hours. But in the 60s, he looked like a vestige of the past. Some neighbors even questioned why the learners didn't simply evict him. They could have rented the apartment for a lot more money. But instead, Nathan and Kyoko decided to lower his rent. And when they realized he was completely alone, they started caring for him, as they would for an old friend. He trusted me. He allowed me to go into his room to help him with physical things, like changing the light bulbs. And when he couldn't reach something, he took out the ladder and I had to climb up the ladder and get something for him. He was like a little child. You know, you do something for children, they take it. And he was like that. When he came to ask to help him with any physical things, I stopped whatever I was doing, cooking or playing the piano. And uh, I went to his place and helped him. He never, never, said thank you because he thought it was you know the way it is yeah he he considered nathan like his adopted father any problems he had he came came to see nathan and asked him to you know help him any problems which nathan did actually There is someone else who also remembers Henry Dogger very well. Her name is Betsy Fuchs, and she used to be Henry's neighbor at 851 Webster Avenue. When I was married to David Berglund, we lived at 851 Webster, and we lived on the high second floor. It was a three-story brick building that had originally been a one-family building, but it had been broken up into three apartments. And on that second floor was where David and I lived, as did Henry Darger. And um, there was a long hallway on that second floor. He lived at the end of the hall in um, a large room that went spanned the, um, the width of the building. And in that room was his bedroom and a little closet that had a sink. Oftentimes people will refer to where he lived as his apartment, but it was basically one room. And my understanding was he moved in when it was a rooming house. Um, but where David and I lived was three rooms along that same hallway um, and there were three doors on the hallway. One was to Henry's room, one was to the bathroom that we shared with Henry, and then the third one was into our apartment. 
he was like a, a little old man that kind of kept to himself. And I am thinking that he often, if, if I ever passed him, you know, like when he was coming in or I was going out, um, he probably looked down. I don't think he ever looked straight in my eyes. I think by the time we knew him, you know, he had learned to keep to himself. So it would have taken quite an effort to have any kind of conversation. You know, in a way, because he was so quiet, he was seemed very polite. But my encounters with him actually um, happened after he took ill. There was a period, maybe it was about two weeks, where I took him breakfast. I took him buttered toast and... I don't know, maybe coffee, because that was what we were drinking at the time. And he was in his bed. He was lying in his bed. But I don't remember him ever saying anything to me like, thank you, or that was nice, or anything like that. But what I do remember about going into that room was it was very cluttered, and it was dirty. He collected everything. His income was very small, so he was very careful. And he picked up everything from garbage cans on streets. And all the um, used birthday cards, Valentine cards, and Christmas cards, and everything else. And sometimes he used these used old cards, scratched Valentine, to uh, Merry Christmas. And Nathan's name, Lerner, is very Jewish, so he didn't like that. He rewrote to Mr. Leonard, which is very Catholic, and he he only accepted things Catholic. Okay. And I don't yeah. know why he accepted me, because I don't look very Catholic. As it happened, we invited Henry to dinner on Christmas Day. We were Jewish. David converted to Judaism, but my parents and I were Jewish by birth, by tradition. And on Christmas Day, we always got together for dinner. It wasn't a Christmas dinner. But so one year, we invited him to dinner. And I believe that that was the time that he sent David this it, it was a Valentine's Day card, and on the front of it, it said, for my dear Mr. Berglund from Henry. Then there was a message on the, on the inside, which was just a Valentine's Day message. But what Henry wrote was, for Christmas presents, I would most like what I need, a bar of ivory soap, large troop of palmolive, brushless shaving cream, and something to eat Christmas afternoon. Chicken, not turkey. I hate it. What I didn't like was that the room looked very dirty. And I do remember clearly more than once I said to Nathan, we should clean up his room for him and paint the room and so forth. But Nathan said... Leave him alone. He is harmless. Yeah. He, he is not threatening me or threatening anybody. And leave him alone. That's, that's the reason Henry was able to survive in his room, in his environment. 
yeah. uh, in his world. Without knowing it, the learners offered Henry Dogger a kind of stability and a feeling of safety he had never known before. As the years went by, his health declined. He suffered from chronic stomach pains and bad legs. Finally, in 1963, he was forced to retire. I had to quit, and the doctor who examined my leg advised me to retire. I did so, depending on my social security. I retired November 19, 1963. Have been retired since, and I'll say it is a lazy life, and I don't like it. I suppose a real lazy person would enjoy it. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. And then... One day, in 1972, Henry realized he was unable to climb the staircase up to his apartment. The pain in his legs was too intense. He'd become an old man in need of constant care. It was time to move out. He asked Nathan to find a nursing home for the Catholic old people, which Nathan did. And he called the priests, and he called the nuns, and he made all the arrangement, and we did all the administration work for him to be allowed to be a resident there. So I uh, I brought him there on, on the first of December of 19, 1972. and he stayed there until he died, which is April 13 of the following year, and. During this little over four months, Nathan and I used to visit him every week, once a week, just to say hello, just to see how he's doing. And one of these times, Nathan asked him, could we, could Nathan remodel the top floor because uh, the rental from the apartment was the only income we had at that time. And he said, if... Henry needs something from his room. He will bring whatever he wants. And Henry said, uh, no, he doesn't want anything. And he told Nathan, I'll give you everything in the room. Just throw them away. So with this permission, Nathan hired trucks, two large trucks. And uh, Nathan and another tenant who lived 
front part of the flat, David Berglund started cleaning up his room, Henry's room. On that day, in 1973, Nathan Lerner and David Berglund were on the verge of making an incredible discovery. Of course, they knew Henry Dogger was a hoarder, and they expected for the room to be full of surprises. But neither of them had any idea what they were actually about to find there. The first thing Nathan and David saw inside the room were piles and piles of newspapers. 40-year accumulation of papers, morning papers and evening papers. He read every day morning papers and evening papers. And then National Geographic magazines and all different kinds of magazines. Piles and piles of newspapers and old magazines and chairs were broken and the bed, wooden bed, which was broken. In the room, they also found dozens of glasses, string balls, telephone directories, and pairs of shoes in many different sizes. So this was like excavation, you know, when you go to Maya excavation site, you find bones of the head or whatever. And it was just like that. Because for you as Japanese originally, it would be like a shock of kind of shock of culture to see so something so so dirty and and uh, messy. Yeah, but you know, Philip, it was it was well organized in his own way. I think he knew every where everything was when he needed something. I'm sure he knew where to get it in his room. After the initial shock of discovering the extent of Henry's hoarding, David and Nathan got to work. They started randomly grabbing objects and throwing them through the window, directly into the dump trucks parked outside the building. They were not very careful. After all, Henry had said that he had nothing of value in the room. And all this stuff looked like it already came from dumpsters. For a couple of days, they got rid of everything they could put their hands on books, papers, random objects, until finally they came across two big wooden trunks. And first they found written works in a big trunk, different kinds of books he wrote. First he found the realms of the unreal, they're all typed. And then he found the sequel to that, which was untyped, handwritten. And then he found diaries, daily personal diaries. And then he found a history of his life. It's like a formal biography of Henry Dogger. The History of My Life by Henry Joseph Dogger, born in the month of April. On the 12th, in the year of 1892, of what weekday I never knew, as I was never told nor did I seek the information. Also, I do not remember the day my mother died. History of my life was handwritten. 
and extremely hard to read. And But Nathan brought each book to our house next door, and uh, he read one by one. And every day was very exciting discovery for us. After this discovery, Nathan and David immediately stopped clearing the room and took a close look at what they found. Nathan Lerner was stunned. How could he have missed this? As an artist himself and the landlord of many art students, how could he not see that his eldest tenant was such a prolific writer? And not only was Henry a writer, but as Nathan soon discovered, he was also a very talented painter. After the written works, he found um, long, like three, three meter long double-sided paintings. These paintings were on top of his bed, and we didn't know there was a bed underneath. So where, where did he sleep when he was living in the room? Well, Nathan didn't, didn't think he slept very much. And many schizophrenic people, I understand, don't sleep very much. So his bed was taken up by the uh, paintings, but he slept, we think, he slept on the chair. I think Nathan's theory that he didn't sleep very much is correct because I used to go there very often to change the light bulbs. I mean, light bulbs do not burn out so frequently, yeah. except Henry's room, because he kept, it, kept them on. In total, Nathan Lerner found over 30,000 written pages and 300 paintings. Long and narrow watercolor paintings some of which were over nine feet in length. They kind of looked like the strips of a gigantic comic book. To Nathan's eye, Henry's talent was undeniable. And like most people who discovered his work after him, he fell deeply in love with it. Nathan didn't know what to do. But because he, he was an artist, he could not throw away. He knew the composition What he saw in the paintings was just beautiful. The colors was incredible, he said. The combination of colors like purple and yellow and pink, the way he used these very bright colors were very unique. So he just couldn't throw away. So he kept them all. Because of that, because of Nathan's eye and his stubbornness, Henry's works today exists. After uncovering Henry Dogger's life work, Nathan Lerner paid him a visit at the St. Augustine Home for the Aged, where his condition was deteriorating day by day. According to his account, the discussion with Henry Dogger went something like this. He said, But Henry, you're an artist. And Dogger calmly responded, Yes but it's too late now. Henry Dogger celebrated his 81st birthday on April 12, 1973. The next day, he passed away at 1.50 p.m. He had no family left. Consequently, Nathan and Kyoko Lerner inherited his work and the responsibility to care for it. We started reading his diaries and biographies and 
weather reports. Weather reports was 10 years of daily weather reports, what weathermen said, radio, weatherman said in the newspaper, and he compared with actual weather, what happened each day, every day for 10 years. So we were reading this little by little, and we were just stunned. The room was kept the way it was, because after finding these things, we felt, Nathan felt, Henry's still there, and we could not do anything. Luckily, Nathan Lerner was very much involved in Chicago's artistic circles. He started showing Henry Darger's works to friends and fellow artists who would come to Webster Avenue to visit the room. In 1977, the paintings were exhibited for the first time at the Hyde Park Art Center in Chicago. Two years later, they were shown again at the Museum of Contemporary Art, among other artists' works. They were labeled as outsider art. After her husband's passing, in 1997, Kyoko Lerner continued looking after Henry Darger's works and preserved them as well as she could. For 30 years, Henry Darger's room remained exactly as it was found. It's not because I, I thought these were very precious things, but spiritually, I did feel something. I knew he was there. There was no question. And the room remained until 2001 or 2002 when Intuit Museum for the Outside Art asked me to give everything in the room so that they wanted to uh, recreate the room. It's only in the early 2000s that museums started collecting Dagger's work. His room was recreated at Intuit in Chicago and the Folk Art Museum in New York opened an Henry Darger Study Center displaying all of his archives. Henry Darger was quickly labeled an outsider artist. But what is outsider art? And what does the label entail? In the next episode... I will have the pleasure of discussing this topic with Debra Carr, President and CEO of Intuit, the Center for Intuitive and Outsider Art in Chicago. Some people interpret that to mean that we're placing these artists on the outside. And so it can be a controversial term if it's applied. And I think that there are, of course, a lot of artists that just want to be recognized as artists. They don't want to be categorized as female or black or pigeonholed in some way. So I think it's understandable that artists want to avoid labels. But I think that at the same time, if we can't call it something, we can't raise it up as something that's very unique and special and worth consideration. Outsider is a seven-part podcast series. It was created by Philippe Cohen-Solal, written by Clémentine Spiller, and produced by César de Pouilly for Yabasta Records. Special thanks to Jeffrey Carey for reading excerpts from History of My Life by Henry Dogger. 
If you enjoyed the music in this episode, you can listen to The Outsider Album by Philippe Cohen-Solal and Mike Lindsay. The album is inspired by the works of Henry Dogger. It's out now and streaming on all platforms. Uh-huh.